You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 101, Obtaining Peace of Mind. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Welcome to the show this week picturesque scene that I'm looking at right now. Deep in the woods of Minnesota, it is snowing and the trees are flocked and there is a fresh coat of snow on the frozen lake and it is just quiet and peaceful. And it got me thinking about the the theme today, peace of mind. And I know you're looking for it. I know that you are, are searching for peace of mind to some degree or another. We all are, aren't we? And that's what I want to talk about today. It's kind of a funny time of year, actually, because uh, we are now over Thanksgiving, over Christmas, over the New Year's, and thank God we're over the Super Bowl. But we've kind of come to a place where, well, what's next? What's next? You know, well, we kind of look to the holidays. You know, we've got Valentine's Day coming up, and then uh, we got Mardi Gras, and then we have uh, Easter. And so we're kind of at a place where people are getting a little bit tired of winter. They're looking forward to spring. And uh, maybe they even have a little of what we call deep in the woods here in Minnesota, cabin fever. And we just came off of some record temperature of 28 below with 50 mile an hour below wind chill. And everybody was in their house for about, about three or so days. And during that time, no doubt, there was some conflict with family and television, you know, and when you're with your family, you love them. Don't get me wrong, you love them. But when you're when you're stuck in the house for three or four days and you can't get out on pain of frostbite, then oftentimes you know people do kind of kind of go after each other and they can't wait to get out. Well, I want to talk about peace of mind today. But before we do that, uh, once again, a big thank you to you. Uh, the the show is doing well thanks to your rating it on iTunes. Appreciate it and Google Play and. I just so appreciate your participation, and I I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. When you go and rank the show and make some comments, it it does something to the algorithm and gets some of these vital topics out to people who are searching on Google, and they're really looking for some answers in their life. I got a wonderful wonderful letter from Heather. Uh, Heather wrote about my last show, which was show 100 called The Shape of Your Day. And my basic uh, idea there was that if you want to change the shape of your day, you gotta you gotta start by changing the shape of your morning, and your afternoon, and change the shape of your evening. And that's how you that's how you change the shape of your day. You don't just hope for it and pray for it. You actually change the shape of your day. And Heather writes, uh, she says, "You are so very right, Jeff. Here goes my wow. I needed that episode email." She said, I've been really feeling the pull from God to wake up early like Jesus did before the hustle of the day. And I've got four kids, uh, four and under. Oh, you do have your hands full there, don't you? (laughs) That's amazing. Four kids, four and under. And uh, she says, to spend time with, with, uh, she says, I want to spend time with the Lord. She goes on and says, I've had countless very blatant reminders from God, but once I turned on your Shape of Your Day episode yesterday, I finally decided I couldn't ignore God anymore. Yay, Heather. She said, my twins still wake during the night once, but I just got up, sat here in quiet with my coffee, and I'm reading the Word. 
I've got a budding podcast ministry where I pray God will use me to bring fallen away Catholic women home, specifically moms, by making theology, dogma, the church easy to digest. I know this mission is from God, but I also have my vocation as mom and wife. God is very much telling me uh, and uh, giving her orders to uh, tackle this ministry. That's really good. And uh, she said, I'm sure you know this, but God uses you as a blatant sign I couldn't ignore anymore. Well, praise God, Heather, and uh, uh, blessings on your podcast and the efforts that you are doing to uh, reach women. I might suggest you get in touch with Wine Women in the New Evangelization. They're doing a fantastic job. Who knows? You guys might you might become friends. Look it up at catholicvineyard.com. But I'm so glad, Heather, that uh, the show made a difference in your life. It makes a difference in my life, you know, and uh, that's what I'm sharing is the things that make a difference in my life. If any of the episodes have made a difference in your life, Go ahead and give me an email, thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. And uh, if you got any ideas for shows, please, please send them my way. That's how we get ideas uh, for the show. wanted to talk to you today about peace of mind. Now, this is something that all of us uh, really do want and need and are searching for to one degree or another. I have not met anybody in the last week who has said to me, you know what, if I have more peace of mind, I don't know what to do with myself. It's, it's just so peaceful. I don't, I've never met anybody like that, actually. I think we're all struggling in some ways. And there was those famous words that Bob Dylan's mom said to him one time. She said, be, be nice to people. Be, be kind to people. Everyone is struggling with something. And... Uh, and I think that that is really true. So I want to talk to you about a peace of mind. Uh, what is an enemy to peace of mind? And maybe some steps. Uh, this isn't an all, you know, an, uh, a complete program as far as we're going to exhaust every single avenue. But I do have some suggestions if you are struggling with peace of mind in your life right now that you might want to address. And that's a beginning point for you to begin to obtain that that peace of mind. I just got back from my uh, annual trip to Israel in uh, January, and uh, one of the great words over there that you're going to hear over and over is shalom, shalom. And shalom, it means peace. And when we talk about peace, we're not talking about, hey, two fingers up, hope politics goes your way. We're talking about um, a deep peace of mind, a, a wholeness to us deep within. Uh, and that's what God has for us, is he has a wholeness and a a healing and a peace within our minds and, and a balance within ourselves that we're not we're not um, shaky and and unsure of you know what to do. We have a peace. But Jesus was a realist. You know, Jesus uh, he spoke to the apostles and he said, he said in John chapter 14, 27, and these will be in the show notes, by the way, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And then he qualifies, he says, I'm not talking about television peace. I'm not talking about, you know, pop formator peace. I'm talking about the peace that I'm going to give you. So don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, you're, I like that because he's basically honest and says, you're going to have trouble in the world. You really are. There's going to be problems in the world, but be of good cheer. Uh, I've overcome the world. You know, back in the 1960s when Vatican II met, met, met 
uh, there was a, a great document that described the the signs of the times, what was going on in the 60s. That document was called Gaudium et Spes, the Church in the Modern World. And I want to read a couple of paragraphs to you right here, because while it was directed to people in the 1960s, you would think that this was written yesterday, you know? And it talks about this imbalance in our lives and the, the peace that we're looking for. Listen to this, Gaudium et Spes. By the way, you can go to the Vatican website and you can look this document up. It's a, it's a great document. I, when I did my, my graduate studies, I had to actually uh, go deep in this one document and do, a, do an oral presentation of it, and it kind of became my document. It says in paragraph four, today the human race is involved in a new stage of history. Maybe you are too, huh? Profound and rapid changes are spreading by degrees around the whole world. Triggered by the intelligence and creative energies of man, these changes recoil upon him, upon his decisions and desires, both individual and collective, and upon his manner of thinking and acting with respect to things and to people. Hence, we can already speak of a true cultural and social transformation, one which has repercussions on man's religious life as well. I think I'll pause there for a moment because I think that's very interesting when it talks about uh, that we have a a changing world, but these changes are recoiling upon us. In other words, they're they're eating us up. You know, we're not we don't have a a correlating spiritual advancement. So we're becoming very sophisticated with uh, social media. Your children are more sophisticated than you are. <laughs> Newsbreak and. These things are recoiling upon us because we're not making advances spiritually to handle these technological advances. So it goes on in the paragraph and says, Influenced by such a variety of complexities, many of our contemporaries are kept from accurately identifying permanent values and adjusting them properly to fresh discoveries. As a result, buffeted between hope and anxiety, impressing one another with questions about the present course of events— well, you hear about that, don't you? They are burdened down with uneasiness. Wow. Pause there for a second. Hold the phone, Jack. I, I tell you what, I identify with that right there because I'm getting tired of watching the news. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, CNBC, all of it. It's like, I'm uneasy about all of this. All of these, I'm burdened down with the news. I don't like this, right? It goes on and says, this same course of events leads men to look for answers. Indeed, it forces them to do so. And then it goes on in paragraph 8 and says, within the individual person, there develops rather frequently an imbalance between an intellect, which is modern in practical matters, and a theoretical system of thought, that is your faith, which can neither master the sum totals of its ideas nor arrange them adequately into a synthesis. So basically what it's saying there, let me put that in layman's language for you real quick, it's, it's saying that there's an imbalance in our lives between intellect, which is modern, social media, technology, science, astronomy, whatever you want to talk about, there's an imbalance between that and your system of thought, your faith, your walk with God. You don't have a system of thought slash faith 
that can master the sum total of all ideas that you're dealing with, nor arrange them adequately into some kind of synthesis, some kind of narrative. And so we are overburdened with no answers. In short, our inner, inner compass is off. It's off. Let's admit it. Let's admit it that sometimes our inner compass is off and we don't know what is up or down in our life. And uh, we're stressed. We need peace of mind. We need shalom, shalom in our life. So wisdom has something to say about this. In Proverbs 3.17, it says about wisdom that her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. I like what it says in Proverbs 4.23. We are very, it talks about the fact that we're very complex and capable of greatness and capable of falling apart. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Pretty good. To start off here, let me, let me, let me cover the big thing that really brings a, uh, an imbalance to our life and takes the peace of mind away from us. And that peace of mind that we're going for is a shalom, a peace of mind where our minds are settled on the Lord, peaceful. Uh, we are, we are at, a, at a place where we're not anxious and worrying because we know that our lives are in his hands and he will care for us as a, as a father. We don't need to be anxious for tomorrow. We don't need to be anxious about what people think about us and all of that. We don't. We can reach that point of peace, a peace that passes all understanding. But the big enemy to peace, you know what it is? It's sin. Sin. The word sin in Hebrew, chet, means to miss the mark. It's like an archer's term, you know. It means to hit the bull, and to miss the bullseye. When Apollo Systems years ago uh, uh, came back into the ocean with a space capsule and they missed the mark, the Israeli headline said that the Apollo had sinned. They missed the mark. And if you miss the mark, which is righteousness, being right with God, you're going to feel the, the comeuppance. You're going to feel the results of that. Now, uh, you know, Pope John Paul II had something to say about this in his, in his uh, writing called Reconciliation and Penance. You ought to get that. Another one, really, really good. Reconciliation and Penance. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, paragraph 15, he said, As a rupture with God... Sin is an act of disobedience by a creature who rejects, at least implicitly, the very one from whom he came and who sustains him in life. It is therefore a suicidal act. Ooh, wow. Underline it, underscore it, highlight it, take it out of the show, put it on an index card, carry it around. Remember that. It is a suicidal act. Wow, I almost feel like pausing here and just kind of reflecting on that for a moment. You know what that means? That means that an act of sin is hurting you. It's killing you. That's very powerful. It goes on and says, Since by sinning man refuses to submit to God, his internal balance is also destroyed, and it is precisely within himself that contradictions and conflicts arise. My friend, I, you know, if we're going to get peace of mind in our lives, the first thing that we need to do is to make sure that we are not walking in sin. Now, there's two kinds of sin, right? There's, there's venial sin, which wounds the relationship with the Lord. It weakens the relationship with the Lord. But then there's mortal sin, which breaks the relationship with the Lord. Either one can, can especially mortal, but venial sin can whittle away at the peace inside of you. 
if you are caught up in venial sin and you're not dealing with it by going to Mass or going to confession, uh, it can whittle away at the peace in your, in your life. If you're in mortal sin, well, good luck. You're, you're, really, you're really in a tough place. And if you're going to try to find peace of mind without reconciliation with God, good luck. If you obtain it, write a book. It'll be a bestseller. But it can't happen. And so you must go and go to confession and make sure that you're starting from a place of at least you have a relationship with the Lord, the Lord who gives you this peace of mind that passes all understanding, right? So sin is a big thing. And I want you just to think this week, as I will too, about my life. And I'm a sinner, I admit, and um, uh, I wish I wasn't. And I have to deal with that in a responsible way, and so do you. So if you really want peace of mind, you have, you have to do an examination of conscience to find out, am I walking according to the will of the Lord? You can use the Ten Commandments, you can use the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you can go online and you can find lots of ways to do an examination of conscience to see where you're at and then make the adjustments. Own it, confess it, deal with it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about a few things that you can do to prevent that peace of mind from going away and what, what, what really contributes to a lack of peace of mind. I think it's going to be helpful, practical. I think you're going to like it. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Jeff Gavin Show. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. You are back. I'm back. And we're talking about peace of mind, obtaining peace of mind specifically. And we were talking a little bit about Vatican II before the break and how sin ruptures this relationship with God, and we need to own it, go to confession, and take care of that. Sin really, really wreaks havoc you know, on our soul. But there's a number of other things that you can do to either obtain peace or prevent that peace from leaving. I want to go through these kind of quickly with you in the time that we have together this week. Number one, uh, if you're interested in obtaining peace with God, you can have peace through obedience to the Word of God. Now, when I say the Word of God, I'm talking about Scripture. I'm talking about the tradition that's been passed on to us in the church. If you are obedient to the Word of God, you're on your way to peace of mind. But if you are disobedient to the Word of God, well, that's called sin, <laughs> and that results in uh, a lack of peace. Now, King Saul in the Old Testament in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 15, included in the notes, uh, Samuel lost his peace. You know, King Saul, or Saul, not Samuel, but Saul lost his peace by disobeying the word of the Lord. In fact, he did it a couple of times. And as a result, his peace was gone, and it resulted in him even wanting to murder King David, the young, young David, who was to be the second king of Israel. And so when he lost his peace, his relationship with those around him was at that point crippled, and uh, he was in trouble. You know, the Scripture says in Psalm 119, in 165, Great peace have those who love thy law, nothing can make them stumble. That's a beautiful thing. Do you remember, by the way, 
How did Saul gain his peace back? Well, part of the part of what contributed to him at least gaining some of his peace back was young David on the harp praying, playing praise music. Isn't that interesting? Music can have a big big impact on you. You can listen to uh, some uh, misogynist rapping music if you want to. It's uh, that can be very negative. You're going to lose your peace. I guarantee it. You can listen to some beautiful, beautiful music with fantastic. Uh, words and you'll it has a peaceful effect on you. Oftentimes, when people say that they're looking for peace, I, I suggest they listen to praise music in the car, and there's plenty of it. And instead of listening to talk shows and controversy and arguing, put some praise music on. That's what got to King Saul's heart, right? Yep, you bet. So that's that's one thing. Obedience to the Word of God. Make sure that you are in God's Word. Uh, for example, my wife and I, we pray every morning together and do Lexio Divina, and uh, we stay with God's Word. And I encourage you to get into God's Word and to be obedient to it. You know, you can lose, number two, you can lose your peace through anger. You can lose your peace through anger. Uh, those famous sayings at the door of Delphi, know thyself, and it wasn't in the positive sense. It wasn't know your gifts. It was meant in the sense of know your weaknesses, Know your weaknesses, or in today's parlance, you'd say, know your trigger points, you know, what really gets to you. Anger is an interesting thing, because when you are walking anger, you you literally are losing the peace of God. Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes a man slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 29 and verse 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Now there's there's a there's a simple rule to anger here. And I've done I've done several several shows on anger. You can look them up earlier. Uh, perhaps we'll put that in the show notes for you. I'll get a hold of that. We did a whole show on anger. And and real quickly, well, there's a basic rule here and that is anger is not in itself good or evil. Okay? It's a passion. It's like love. Uh, it's not good or evil. Anger comes when justice has been violated, or you sense that, or you perceive that justice has been violated, and you feel like you got to do something about it. So righteous anger leads to what? Correcting a wrong. But if that anger that you're experiencing is just because you've been inconvenienced, you've been dissed in some way, and you're going to get angry about it, you can find yourself in sin, and your peace is gone. Anger, you see, if it's taken up in virtue, it becomes a positive thing. But if it is taken low by vice, it can be a very devastating thing. And one important thing to understand is to know your triggers. Do you get angry after you drink? Let me pause right there for a second. I just feel like this is a word for someone. If you get angry when you drink and your family is wondering what in the purgatory is happening to you, you need to be honest about it and you need to drop that. You need to pluck that out. It's destroying your life. It's a trigger point for you. Let's be honest. You can't handle alcohol, right? Having a glass of wine, nothing wrong with it. But if it causes you to abuse your family, there's something wrong. You have no peace there, and neither do they. Deal with it. End of my word. I just felt like I needed to say that. 
And so know your trigger points. When people are late to appointments, does it does it set you off? Not enough sleep sets you off. The things you eat sets you off. When someone says something about you, set you off. What are your trigger points? Learn to protect those and to make your mind up that I'll only get angry about things that I feel are an injustice and I can change and I will do something about it. Another thing is peace is destroyed by envy. Oh, man, I did a whole show on this one earlier, too. This is powerful stuff. You know, great trivia question, what was it that brought Satan into this world? Wisdom chapter 2 and verse 24 says it was envy. It says, but through the devil's envy, death entered the world, and those who belong to his party experience it. Wow. That's powerful. You know what envy is? Maybe you've heard me say this before, but it'll be, as St. Peter says, it'll be good for you to hear it again. Jealousy is just, I want what you want. Well, jealousy isn't necessarily sin, but envy is is deadly. It's one of the deadly sins, because envy is when your blessing makes me sad. This happens a lot in families, doesn't it? Peace is gone in your heart when you realize that your sister is doing so well. And it's making you sad. And you're thinking, man, I wish I, I wish I didn't feel sad. I wish I felt happy for. You see, this is deadly. We got to deal with it. If you want peace of mind, you can't walk in envy. You can't. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's an upside down gospel. You know, the gospel says we rejoice with those who rejoice and we we mourn with those who are suffering, right? Uh-uh, not envy. Envy says. I rejoice with those who are suffering, and I mourn with those who are rejoicing. It's upside down. If you're struggling with that, I promise you one thing on the show today, you are not going to obtain peace. How do you deal with it? You've got to go to the Lord, and you've got to learn to confess that as sin. Go to confession, confess it as sin, and begin to rejoice in your sister's blessing and take stock of what God has given you and rejoice in what you have rather than curse what you don't have. This is going to take practice for you, but you can do it. You can do it. And you know you, it happens almost every Christmas with that, that darn Christmas card that your sister sends. Remember that card? She writes in that card about what the families are doing. She's got a picture of the whole family there and says, little Bruce is elected mayor of Boston, and Eric is now, uh, he, he's the head of nephrology at Boston General, Massachusetts General. Susan just got her PhD in little Bradford. Well, he won the Pinewood Derby and Cub Scouts, and you're going, I hate them. Then you got a problem. Then you got a problem and you got to deal with it. So remember what Proverbs 14.30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Oh, you don't want to deal with that. Take care of it, okay? Write me about it. I want to know how you took care of it, but take care of it. <laughs> Number four, hope is a big thing when it comes to obtaining peace. It's a theological virtue, you know. You do have hope. I've heard people say before, I have no hope. Say, well, have you been baptized? Yes. Then you've got hope, because at baptism, you got three pints of theological virtue in your blood. You got faith, you got hope, and you got charity. So you got hope. Well, what are we talking about when we talk about hope? Well, we're not talking about hope so. 
And we're not talking about hope from your perspective. We're talking about hope as a result of looking at God's plan and God's perspective. It says in Sirach chapter 2, in verse 6 and verse 9, it says, Trust in him, and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. You who fear the Lord, hope for good things, for everlasting joy and mercy. And then it tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, it says that we have this as a sure and steadfast hope, right? Steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain. And so what God wants to give you in relationship to peace is an anchor, and that's hope. Whatever you're facing right now, my friend, you and I are together right now in the car. You and I are together right now at the club. We're together, and I'm telling you right now, you got an anchor. It's hope. It's been given to you. Don't ignore it. Don't deny it. Don't say, not me. I'm unique. I'm one of a kind. Humbug. You are not. <laughs> I was going to say, baloney. You are not. You're not. You're not. You got hope there. Stand on that hope. Begin to cultivate that hope by putting that hope in Christ and looking not to the future from your own perspective and your own talents and your own resources, but, but his perspective, his talents, his resources. Remember, he's got a plan for you, a good plan for you. Very first paragraph of the Catechism says, it's a plan of sheer goodness. One more scripture there, Proverbs, I love it. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 28 says, the hope of the righteous ends in gladness, but the expectation of the wicked comes to naught. You see, the hope of the righteous is going to end in gladness for you. Keep walking in hope. And then the last thing I'll share with you, oh boy, there's so much more I could share, but time is running out. One more thing I want to share with you, this peace of mind comes through forgiveness. We've done shows in the past on forgiveness, so we can spend a, you know, a whole 45 minutes on that or so in past shows, so look, you can look that up. And we might put that in the show notes as well. We're just going to keep putting all this stuff in the show notes for you. Uh, but peace of mind through forgiveness. Proverbs 16, 7, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You see, peace of mind comes by having a pure heart. And I want to encourage you to listen to my past podcast on forgiveness. Uh, I'm going to make a note for my wonderful producer, Christina, to uh, make note of that for the notes so that you can listen to that. And, and let me just kind of synopsis, give you a synopsis of it. We are called by God as a people who have been forgiven for everything. And a part of that is that now it is expected of us to extend forgiveness to other people, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. I know you're thinking, but you don't know that what's happened to me, Jeff. You don't know how they hurt me. Oh, listen, all I know is that whatever we did in our own sin, it brought God to a cross. Nothing compares to that. We can do this. We can forgive. And we as a people who have been forgiven are called to forgive and extend that forgiveness to others. And if we refuse to do that, then the consequences are a lack of peace of mind, and we ourselves will be handed over to the tormentors. Scripture says this. Did you know that? Scripture tells us, Scripture's got a, a lot of really uh, wonderful, wonderful things to say uh, about forgiveness. One of, my, one of my favorite 
one of my absolute favorite uh, scriptures comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it talks about, you remember the man who uh, was uh, forgiven for so much in his life, and then he went out and he wouldn't forgive someone who had owed him just a little bit? Do you remember what the consequences for that were? The consequences were that that he originally was going to have to he was going to have to pay back everything, but the the master forgave him of everything. But the fact that he would not forgive somebody else just a little bit meant that the master gave him all that debt back and made him pay. And he turned him over. And Jesus ends this oh boy. He was turned over to the tormentors, and Jesus ends that that parable by saying, so will my heavenly Father do to you if you do not forgive others from the heart. And so that is very, very powerful, very, very powerful. And I encourage you to, you know, to, to meditate on that, to take that you know, very, very seriously, because that's what happens when we, when we literally you know, refuse to forgive other people. So I'm going to put all that in the show notes for you as well. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you. I want to share just a couple of these things with you. We might talk about it more on other shows, but this is what was on my heart this week to share with you. And um, and I know I always need to hear it myself. I want that peace in my life. And I know that sin will disrupt it, but I do know that there's some things that we can do to obtain the peace of God in our life. And we want to make sure as good disciples that we that we do that. All right? So... Again, thank you for ranking the show, going to iTunes, and uh, giving me your ideas for shows. Send me all of the correspondence at um, the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. And I've got some surprises coming up in the weeks ahead. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to think we're going to add an addition to the show, and I think you're going to like it. So feel free to, to share this with, with your friends. Let me pray for you, okay? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I, I pray for my friend right now that that is listening and uh, joining me here. And I pray, Lord, that that you would show them the areas of their life where they may be missing the mark and not obtaining the peace that you have intended for them. Give them boldness, Lord, to correct these, these, these things and to get on the right track in obtaining the peace deep within. Lord, we ask you for this peace that passes all understanding. We pursue you, the Prince of Peace, the one who will give us this peace that passes all understanding. Show us now, Lord, as we examine our heart, the areas that we need to change to obtain shalom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, my friend, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I ask you to continue to pray for me, and I look forward to seeing you right back here next week. God bless. <music>